what conditions are stipulations. Magic tricks or manipulations interjecting conversation. I don't want to talk about it. We're gonna have to talk about it. got the amazing news this week that our two favorite our three favorite hmm. they're not our favorite but they're close hmm? nathan, nathan fielder oh okay okay of nathan oh, for you oh oh oh, oh, oh. okay i don't get how mackenzie's bouncing in her seat <laughs> I, oh i really scoffed at that um i don't really give a shit about the safety brothers i'm sorry i i love the safety brothers they're fine i'm overcorrecting because i saw uncut gems with travis and he was very, very into the Safety Brothers. The Safety, like, yeah, oh my god! Because we were ta- so many tweets. We were talking about. I remember because like we went all went out, and yeah. I, remember, I was talking to Travis about Uncut Gems, and I, I have never seen anyone more. And I loved Uncut Gems, and I think I the Safety Brothers good. are brilliant. And I've never seen anyone more excited about the Safety Brothers. Right. So I feel like the need to overcorrect, and I think I've been doing that long enough that like I, I enjoyed Uncut Gems. I thought it was, it was very good, delightfully and uncut. Something, yeah. For something that long to stay engaged in it, very cool. But my need is now to overcorrect for that. So I'm like, eh, fuck the Safety Brothers. But Nathan Fielder, I would marry him in a heartbeat. I will lie over puddles for him so that he does <laughs> never he never has to touch the dirty ground. I love him. He yeah, Nathan Fielder exudes a raw sexual energy. I think we could all Ooh, agree that, that plate smashing. <laughs> plate smashing. Mm-hmm. That was the moment so Brooke watched Nathan for you for the first time recently, and it when... was after I, we had been up till six in the morning. Yes, <laughs> and um, so I, my brain, my serotonin levels were pretty low. Right, they're bottoming out for all of us. I was lying on Mackenzie's floor, and they <laughs> put Nathan for you on, and I was, I wasn't making any noise, but my inner monologue was something like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of a grudge sound noise. Yeah. Um, and then we watched like two episodes of Nathan for You, and I think I prefaced it with, for those of you who are familiar with the show, you'll understand this. Like, you got to really watch somebody when you're showing them Nathan for You because they might not like it because yeah. it's very deadpan. So you just kind of like watch the person watching the show, and you're like, do you do you hate this? Do you hate this? Yeah, it's it it. it brings out strong feelings one way or the other yeah you either love it or hate it and also i had prefaced it with i want to marry this man he is the sexiest thing i've ever seen so the bar was very high yeah yeah and uh brooke didn't see it for for maybe like the first episode and a half i would say that i enjoyed the first episode and a half but you didn't see the sexiness i did not see nathan fielder's sexiness no it didn't kick in um but then yeah the the part that my brain was fixed the part that like it clicked together and i i think i started i started cry laughing was uh yeah he's in the antique shop and you you have to watch the show to understand what we're talking about but he picks up this plate and like smashes it against a statue and then just like grins slyly at the woman and like leaves a a 20 dollar bill and walks away and i'm like that's it all right i'm I'm done I am fixed. I'm. It's, that oh. did it. That's where it is. And you know what? 
this is exceedingly persuasive and we are women for fielder we are hashtag women for fielder i am one woman for fielder and my name is Mackenzie brennan my name is brooke rogers kiss welcome yes (laughs) so yeah so nathan fielder this is not a this is a political show. Uh, you may not know that by the fact that we've been talking about something that's not political You've for probably the last tuned out <laughs> four minutes. But um, Nathan Fielder and the Safdie brothers. Well, Be- Benny Safdie is writing a show with Nathan Fielder called The Curse about an HDTV couple whose marriage goes to shambles. All good things. Everything yeah. good in this world. I'm so excited. This is the content I needed in 2020. Mm, yeah, I'm setting the bar very low. Super reasonable expectations. Yeah. So no way this could go wrong. But yeah, so I guess like let's pivot from that to literally anything else that's related. There to is no politics. transition in this. We just wanted to talk about that for a while. Okay. Oh, I could I could keep going if we must. <laughs> we mentioned in the last episode, and I do want to clarify something about this too. Uh, Attorney General Barr is in the executive spotlight and all other spotlights now because of Roger Stone and and the Justice Department's their revision of their sentencing recommendation that reduced it dramatically so attorney general william barr yeah then came out and said i i'm like this close to resigning you guys like the executive has to stop telling me what to do this close i swear i'm gonna resign if you don't quit it and i'm gonna count to three yeah right (laughs) one One okay quarters but i will next time and he specifically mentioned the president tweeting at him, which, of course, did not stop. And so we're in a very tenuous spot here. Yeah. Uh, in this moment that we're recording, because it sounds like he could resign any day. It sounds like Trump is not very upset with him. So the likelihood of him getting fired is low. Very low. I think that Trump understands that Barr is useful. So I think that he probably wants Barr to stay in the position he's in at this this point. And Barr has a long history of being, like, pro-strong executive branch, like, ever since his early law school career. So this is somebody who is never going to want to, while he holds this position, he's never going to want to cut against presidential power. Right. Which happens to favor Trump till his dying day. Um, And I I did want to clarify from last week, I dithered a little bit on whether the president has power to uh, discharge a uh, an attorney general without cause. Um, yes. Okay. He can unequivocally. The whole um, for cause or without cause and primary versus uh, subordinate officers, that's more when they're not solely under the executive branch. So like quasi-judicial, quasi-legislative positions. There, there's a little bit. You can't get rid of them with no reason. But executive officials like the attorney general serve at the president's pleasure so he can be out of here anytime the president wants okay but he probably won't want he probably won't want so that's where we are what that mean what what that means what that means (laughs) okay so the jump from attorney general is pretty easy to um the potential for presidential pardons which are they're a weird fucking bird anyways i think they should go away trump made more headlines this week maybe laying the foundation for pardoning roger stone if he yeah we mentioned any sentence last week uh, the fact that trump had hinted at his <laughs> intention to possibly uh pardon roger stone after he was convicted and just the, his tweets that said you know this is a miscarriage of justice, miscarriage of justice. yeah perhaps charges <clears throat> that shouldn't even have been brought and so this, I think the timing of these pardon slash commutations are sort of interesting because it is just following this, right, sparring with Barr. And, ah, cute. 
And it's also preceding a potential pardon of Stone. Trump granted clemency to 11 people. There were seven pardons for commutations. Uh, the notably former celebrity <laughs> apprentice contestant and governor of Illinois, Rod Blagojevich. Oh, yeah, baby. First try. Hello. Fucking yes. nice. Okay. Uh, so Rod Blagojevich got 14 years. He, he Damn, that's a long sentence. I didn't realize. Sentenced to 14 years for corruption. It, uh, there was some... It, it, it's kind of... He tried to sell Obama's senate seat. Yeah. After Obama power, got elected president. He had the power to choose who would replace Obama after Obama was elected president. And he kind of tried to hint that he would sell that for Oh, he absolutely did. He's like, I have something fucking valuable. Oh, he said, it's a fucking valuable thing. I'm not just going to give it away. Um, right. Not how those supposed how those decisions are supposed to be made. Other pardons. There was a lot of other white collar criminals. Uh, Michael Milken, Bernie Couric, Paul Pogue, who has donated eighty five thousand dollars to Trump Victory, which is a joint fundraising committee. It's just a coincidence between I the think. Trump campaign and the RNC. He also donated one hundred and fifty thousand to the Republican National Committee well. just this election cycle. Mm, so and far, so far, so far. Now he's out and about. Right. So th- if that looks a little shady. It might be because it is a little shady. That's because it is. Um, and Milken, who is another, I don't know, he's some white-collar guy, he was actually out of prison already. Right, so Trump and just pardoned was, him. He just basically said, like, your reputation... Let's get rid of this blight yeah. on your reputation while you're laboring under, uh, like, mild parole but restrictions. Michael Milken was also... He's called, like, the junk bond king or something. Yes, he has, right. Yeah, yeah. It, it's all a, these dubious characters. It's right. Some, they all sound like from mafia movies. Absolutely, yeah. I feel like I feel like this is, you know... Or like De Niro should be starring in this movie. Less effort, yeah. Um, so I, I really, honestly, with the way things are going, I feel like Martin Shkreli is next on the goddamn docket. <laughs> like, I... Obviously, Roger Stone is next, like you yeah, said. Yeah, Roger Stone will probably be pardoned. I, I assume he'll be pardoned at this he point. He stayed quiet like a good little boy, and Barr did his part, so now it's Big Daddy's time to shine. Big Daddy? Roger Stone. And then, <sighs> honestly, if Martin Scarley gets out, how long will it take him to be the star of a reality show? Murder all of question. us. I don't know if he's charismatic enough for that. I did look him in the Who eyes once, charisma? and it was so blank. Oh, yeah, you talked about this in the podcast yeah. before. You no, met it eyes. It was so weird. Like a shark. I don't think he could have a presence, but honestly, like you think of rich federal criminals in New York, everybody hates him. That's the perfect combo. That's true. He's t- he ticks all the boxes. It's, mm-hmm. it's presidential pardon bingo. Yep. <laughs> I did want to point out because big pharma. so I actually I don't I'm not against presidential pardons. I'm not against clemency. I actually think that in a lot of cases it's the right thing to do. I don't and know. I I feel like I have to. I still have to make up my mind on it because it's it's really showing some holes now. Well. I think that there are, are so many cases where people just got railroaded. And if mm. I, I do think that, you know, pre- it, when you're talking about presidential power specifically, mm-hmm. I can understand how people take umbrage with that. Yeah. I, you know, the fact that a governor, a governor or a president has the power to just pick willy nilly who, you know, gets a clean slate. With no rubric, really. Yeah. But it does work out well. It, 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 yeah, it, I think it, it does actually restore justice in some senses. Sure, like it, in terms of there being issues with the criminal justice system that exist already, that this could be a good way to remedy it. And just to go back to what you're saying, governors 
have the power to grant clemency for state crimes, which is a lot of criminal law, base yeah. level criminal law. And then presidents can pardon federal crimes. Right. So. And there were uh, a couple that I wanted to point out that actually they, they kind of they didn't get the headlines as much. But I do actually think that it was the right call. Uh, Tanise Nicole Hall, who served 14 years on drug-related charges. I believe her sentence was commuted. Uh, Crystal Munez, she was a Navajo mother of two girls who was sentenced to 20 years in prison in 2007 for conspiring to distribute Mm -hmm. marijuana. It was lessened to 15, but she served 12. And one thing that I want to say about that is when we look at uh, the state of the marijuana industry as it is now, and you see places like Colorado and California and Washington where you can walk into what basically looks like, you know, uh, it looks like a, where you bought like a, a bodega kind of, you know, yeah. you, you can walk into these like these an upscale shops. vape shop sort of. It looks exactly yeah. like an upscale vape shop. You can walk in and walk out with as as much marijuana as you want, and you just have to show your ID. If if that is how we can distribute marijuana now, and there was a, there was a a tweet that I saw that sums it up perfectly, and um, I can't remember the person who tweeted it, but he said, if we're selling weed out of places like, like Apple stores now, <laughs> a lot of people need to be released from prison. Yeah, and this is where the difficulty. I won't get too deep into it now, but it might be worth addressing at some point. Um, the weird intersection between federal law and state law again, because. Federal law still technically has marijuana as one of its Schedule 2, Schedule whatever, forbidden substances. So it is against federal law to use or distribute or whatever. And that's why this woman, Crystal Munoz, the whole conspiracy thing, that's what makes it federal because it's crossing state lines and, and thus you get a really amped up sentence. But the laws that legalize it are state laws and federal authorities really haven't done anything about messing with the state laws we're in this weird purgatory space where it's still federally illegal but we're just gonna be hands off so this is the kind of tension that happens right and you see it coming to the public's mind as like wait this is not fair that's a completely system, and you often see people of color who are serving long not Mm -hmm. just people of color but you know poor people and people of color yeah who are serving these long sentences. I mean, 20 years for cons- conspiracy to distribute really marijuana remarkable. is insane. It would be great if the president who pardoned these folks under, I'm sure, the direction of Kim Kardashian would yeah, spearhead actually. some policy, like federal drug policy, that matched. Right, to overturn federal yes. law to decriminalize marijuana. Mm-hmm. So just to, I, I don't want to steal that tweet and then not reference it, at uh, Berkov. Mm-hmm. is who tweeted that when the dispensary looks and operates like an Apple store, it's time to release a lot of incarcerated human beings. It is true. And I think that Which you again, referenced would be under uh, under federal kinda, law. Yeah, yeah. Kind of the president's control, kind of state control, depending on who's imprisoned. By it's him. a messy process. But yeah. I think that it's it's something that as a, a country it's moving time. toward that it's time. Yeah. And it would actually improve a lot of people's lives. And restore some sense also of justice absolutely you mentioned kim kardashian yeah yeah. i did want to like i love what kim kardashian has done around criminal justice reform the last few years she went through a long time where i i kind of looked at her as like a vapid shallow person who just kind of was completely oblivious to any human suffering around her and she has in the last couple of years gotten human beings released from prison by talking to the president and 
you as know a what? reality star. She's an influencer. She has a unique ear. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. If he's going to listen to anyone, apparently it's Kim Kardashian. And if she's going to use that power to Damn get right. people who are otherwise going to be rotting in prison, out of prison, I I have to give her More props. More power like, to her. Yeah, yeah, I'm officially a Kim K stan, I guess. I love it. Yeah, uh, Brooke and I had a long conversation about this before we started recording. And the tension about whether we like or dislike Kim Kardashian and the Kardashians at large. Because they are... Good business people will give them that. They're they also are capitalists, man. They are capitalizing on yeah, yeah, yeah. a cultural rot, I think, in our, they are. In our system. But also, but. there's more talent than is given credit. I think people are like, oh, oh she Chris can't dance. Jenner she can't is, sing. Uh, but, you know, they are. As they say, the devil works hard, but Chris Jenner works harder. Absolutely. At, at the same time, they've peddled some really dangerous beauty standards. And I will always be a little bitter that this woman could just waltz right into law school and, like, sit in her kitchen and be like, torts are hard. <laughs> when you actually had to go through it. And, yeah. So that's my bone to pick, which really there's no merit to picking the bone. But I'm just going to be bitter about it. They're you talented. What? They're doing good work, I guess. <laughs> I am. I'm not going to deprive you of that bitterness. You, Thank you can you. steep in that. That's fine. And you know what? Don't. Speaking of steeping, don't drink the detox teas. Don't. They're horrible for they're you. They're diarrhea teas. They're just stripping you of your water weight. You're going to dehydrate. It's going to make you feel like shit. Dangerous body standards. It's not worth yeah. it. You look great. Cellulite's normal. That little pooch on your tummy's cute. Yep. Don't Keep it. Do not drink anything that t- tells you you can like you can lose weight. You will shit out in, like two ten days. pounds of your body. Yeah. No, that's bad. So moving on from there, I back to Bloomberg. Ha, yeah, I have a, <clears throat> I have like a, I just right. this election cycle was just going in such a, not you know kind of the the, the direction I had expected, the direction I had anticipated. Chaos? I anticipated some chaos, and I but but it was like you know we we knew all the players, we knew what they were doing. Mm. We had Bernie Sanders, we had you know Joe Biden, we had Warren. Like we know these folks, Pete Buttigieg, and then. Out of nowhere, out of the just a hole under the, the ground. Yep, crawled out. He like moved aside a floorboard. He he was like, I'm back. Cracked his neck. Yep. Did you miss me? No. Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg, the former New York City mayor, came out of nowhere. I mean, he had been teasing a run, but it felt very like Trump in 2008, where he talks about it a lot and doesn't yeah, do anything. And now we have Michael Bloomberg. He has spent, he actually has, at, at this point in time, the most expensive campaign in history. <laughs> he surpassed Obama. Obama had the most expensive campaign in history in, I believe, 2008. And, and he wasn't coming from the personal wealth. No, that was, that yeah. was, he was had a lot of grassroots support. Yeah. Uh, no, Michael Bloomberg has spent more than $300 million of his own money on ads. He is doing the same thing he did during his mayoral run in 2008 when he was going for his third term, his freshly legal, because it wasn't legal up until that point, right. term as president. So he, uh, as mayor. As mayor, yeah. yeah. So he legal, as mayor, he legalized, uh, or he got rid of term limits while he was mayor so that he could serve a third term, and then got rid of them before he left, so... Cool move. He was, so he had a, an ally in the city council, Christine Quinn. She, the common understanding is that he worked directly with her to get this bill written and passed so he could run for a third term. He basically strong-armed his way into oh, yeah. a third term as mayor. Um, Definitely not a dictator move it's, in the slightest. He, he he uses his influence and his money to get what he wants, and that's basically what he's doing with the nomination now. I got um, a text from somebody who was organizing uh, 
Taco Tuesday party in Arizona, and they were accessorizing like Spanish words, and they're like, "Hey, this is Stephanie for Bloomberg. Um, can you <gasps> make it? She's getting that Bloomberg money. Yeah. Wow. Bloomberg yeah. for Arizona. Bloomberg can you make it tonight? I almost flew home. You know, honestly, sounded like, a like good Taco time. Tuesday. Yes, yes, please. Bloomberg is paying people something like two thousand five hundred dollars a month to text all their personal contacts once a week I'll about do that. Bloomberg. I'll do that right now. If you text me once a week about Bloomberg, Mackenzie. But you know I don't mean it. <laughs> so why are you going to begrudge me $2,500 a month? So he, he actually, there's been a lot of kind of guerrilla marketing. It's actually brilliant. I have to hand it to him. It really is. Um, so he, he actually reached out to, I think, like about 20 meme accounts that cumulatively have millions of followers. And he got them to post pro-Bloomberg Bloomberg memes. Uh, fake interactions, like fake DM interactions with Bloomberg that were all hashtag sponsored by Bloomberg. He has having people reach out to their personal contacts. And we don't have campaign finance laws, by the way, for things like hashtag and like sponsoring meme posts. We really He's we have not caught up there. Every legal outlet. He hired experts on malignant narcissism and comedy writers to write <gasps> anti-Trump ads. He is that I don't hate. He wrote, he posted on his Instagram story. This I hate so much. He posted on his Instagram story about how he's an Aquarian and, and like reached out to other Aquarians and was like, "Trump's a Gemini." Hey, I'm under the Aquarius. Well, you know, you're not a Gemini, you're a Scorpio. But I'm a Gemini something or other and my okay. dad was a Gemini. But I am a I'm my I'm my moon is Aquarius in Aquarius. Um so I have to own up to this a little bit that I share a sign. One of my big 3 is also Michael Bloomberg sign. Do Not I the hate worst. It? If I share one yes. with Trump, you know. Mm-mm-mm. We all we all have them. So he's doing all he's doing all this kind of weird marketing stunts that are actually extremely smart and that's kind of infuriating well and the democratic party has not capitalized on that not at all they don't understand but and this is this is kind of important i guess the the question right Mm -hmm. after you see he spent more than 300 million dollars of his own money on ads (laughs) the question that comes after that is is it working yeah and it is working his popularity has spiked in the polls he went from being at seven points in the real clear politics average on january 19th to 16 points this week in an NPR PBS NewsHour Marist poll released Ooh. this Tuesday, I believe. Bloomberg was second behind Sanders. Sanders at 31%. On which is, PBS, too. Yeah. Damn. A pretty good holding. And Bloomberg was at 19%. So he is absolutely getting his name out there. People are seeing so his re- marketing. They're identifying with his marketing. Yeah. This is... Because if you don't have any information to rebut that... It, you know, this is the kind of tactic that the Republicans have used and that the Trump campaign did use in 2016, is using here in 2020, kind of these roundabout 21st century friendly uh, tactics, some right. of them more Trump, honest than others. Trump kind of invented using Twitter as a way to communicate directly with people. Yeah, and even beyond that, things like um, the Facebook pages and I was just listening to The meme accounts. I mean, Bernie's, right. Bernie supporters invented, like, the yeah. dank memes for Bernie, which is on Reddit, which you got to respect that, but Trump supporters got right on that train. Sure, like, Trump, I guess that campaign has a database of dirt on journalists and they have these fake local news sites, like, in Arizona, for example, it'd be like, real az13 or something so that if you were to click on a link on facebook and you're a mom you would be like this if looks you're legit. for instance a mom say you're a mom what if you're a mom or perhaps a dad if you're a mother or, or a, a grandmom father. if you have a relation to children do you in some have way. grandkids 
Click on this. Are there children around your home? Click on this Do ad. Do you know where they are? <laughs> are they yours? Uh, hard to say. But, yeah, that, that sort of thing, like capitalizing on internet dynamics and walking the line between deceit and legality at this right. point. Yeah. And the thing is, it's not just the fact that he has such a great marketing team that he knows who to hire. It's also the fact that the DNC is bending rules for him. They changed the rules for the debates. Before, you used to have to prove that you had some kind of grassroots support and individual donor yeah. base to get into the debates. It's very convenient that after Kamala Harris <laughs> and Cory Booker and a bunch right. of other smaller people dropped out... Julian Castro Julian was Castro, cut out of one of the debates. He was one of the most qualified suddenly, in terms of policy. He, suddenly, they changed the, the rules so that Mike Bloomberg can get in the debates. The DNC... Well, because he's got money. And like we said before, he's the DNC, got money. they need money and they don't get it outside of election cycles. And personally, I think they are terrified of a Bernie nomination. And that and like this is like, I think they see Bloomberg as kind of a way to... Palatable. Yeah, a more yeah. palatable, moderate It's possible. Nominee. I mean, the obvious explanation to me is that they do all their fundraising during election cycles. They don't have an outside source. And so this is a cash cow that does not require too much marketing um from them yeah just put yeah put mike bloomberg on stage and he will give you millions and millions of dollars if you just let him stand there which again goes back to the heart of the problem which is can you buy a nomination in the united states of america in 2020 by proxy absolutely and it's ag- looking like it again trump really laid the foundation here and the fact that the Mueller investigation and then the impeachment uh fell flat we'd be remiss not to connect it back to that as the bigger cause. And then Citizens United from a conservative court being obviously a huge piece of why we can use money willy-nilly through corporations and PACs yeah. in elections. The danger here, of course, is that all of this is kind of, because because it's just Mike Bloomberg spending money, it, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily translate to votes in November. And I saw an amazing tweet about this. Uh, John Early... At, oh, I love him. At Bajonce. It's B-E-J-O-H-N-C-E. At Bajonce tweeted, Mike Bloomberg is paying for the illusion of electability. Mm-hmm. It will not translate to voter turnout on election day. There is right. no substitute for grassroots organizing. And that's so important to remember that but we won't win with that. He kind might of buy the nomination. Trump has grassroots support. Trump has a base yep. that is extremely dedicated to him. Trump has a base that sees that he does no wrong they, yeah. they do not acknowledge mistakes from trump they will turn out in huge numbers for trump trump has the electoral college working for him yeah. if you put basically a shell candidate who has just propped himself up with his hundreds of millions of dollars as the nominee you can't buy your way there you are going mm-hmm. to suffer the consequences yeah and boy i don't I don't know what you do with that because there's such a difficult philosophical question about where you draw the line with dishonest tactics. And I think that when you look at things like what the Trump campaign did and has done, and I say campaign in the sense that his campaign has really continued through his presidency and now is is reignited. But it's been the same thing throughout with the false information and these yeah. like fake news sites and posting ads on Hashtag Facebook. fake news. Hell yeah. And Twitter, things like that. Um, where do Democrats, if they want to retain the illusion of morality in a world with a double standard at this point, where do they draw the line tactically 
because the reason Trump has grassroots support on top of the buying the election sort of thing is because he crosses that line to dishonest tactics. And so what the likes of Bloomberg would have to do, what anyone from the Democratic Party would have to do would be to cross that line as well. If you want like the grassroots support and to rile people up in that fear mongering, fake information kind of way, not just I have money to get myself out there. Right. But we're seeing like there are other candidates on the left. Bernie has one. I think it's 1.3 million individual donors. Um, Warren oh, yeah. has 800,000. I think it's possible to win otherwise. Oh, you're yeah. I'm just saying if you want to use that whole I'm going to buy the nomination and then if you, you want to go there. You can't fake that grassroots right. support. And so you'd have to cross the dishonesty line so if, in a different way. So if the Democrats choose to promote Bloomberg over other candidates like apparently Buttigieg. Buttigieg has done very well in both New Hampshire and Iowa. I don't know how well he's going to do in North Carolina and Nevada. It's not looking great. Mm. But there are other candidates like Bernie, like Warren. Buttigieg, Warren, even Klobuchar has come out a lot stronger than anyone expected her to. Those people actually have supporters right. who will show up for them on election day. We do not know what that looks like for Bloomberg yet. We because won't. Because he doesn't have a base because he's not selling. He won't let he us is see not that. offering a movement. He's offering marketing. Well, let's talk about some of his, some of the blights on his record. Let's talk about why he's yeah. not a good choice. Say, so I'm sure some of our listeners probably like Bloomberg. You might be a Bloomberg supporter. Because you don't hear a lot about the practical because negatives. Because friend Stephanie is texting you about Taco Stephanie, Tuesday. I love and tacos. And she sounds great. And you like Stephanie because one time she gave you a hairband. She has my number. School, and she's got your number. Who doesn't love tacos? We, we share a zip code And in your Arizona. favorite meme account, hashtag fuck Jerry or middle class oh, fancy God. or any of the other dozens of meme accounts that you follow posted about Bloomberg's shorts so obviously he must be shorts cool. like his pants and you're an Aquarian so why wouldn't you vote for a fellow Aquarian Give maybe him a little kiss any of these reasons that you might have come to the conclusion that Bloomberg is your candidate we would like to offer some uh facts that hey, might crazy make you feel otherwise nauseated potentially yeah. we just want to listen we're not trying to convince anyone of anything we're just trying to lay the facts out there and let you decide and for it, yourself i'll say there are some dubious facts there are some less than pleasant facts we'll start with the very accessible which is that bloomberg's contact information was in jeffrey epstein's little black book which doesn't mean he was clientele we'll give him epstein that. another repeat offender on this show we'll say that yeah we've we've maybe mentioned him we've one mentioned or two times several um, times Long live Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein is dead. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, being in his book, to be fair, does not mean that you were uh, shopping, so to speak, because I think it doesn't make you a sexual predator if you were in women, his back, yeah. black book. Right. But the fact that Bloomberg was in there and is a rich, older white man makes you wonder. He has been photographed with Ghislaine Maxwell, yes. who was Jeffrey Epstein's madam, kind of. I don't even want to say madam because it sounds like a little bit more respectable than what she was. She <laughs> she found young girls recruiter, for like recruiter. a vile she found young girls child for recruiter. yeah, Jeffrey Epstein and his contacts to sexually assault. He was photographed with her. Again, that alone does not make him a sexual predator. There were a lot of people who were photographed with Ghislaine Maxwell. But there are other things, too. Um, but also, that story's been a little bit suppressed in terms of, absolutely. of Bloomberg, which is interesting, given not that he owns Bloomberg, media. Not just Bloomberg, but, yeah, people actually really don't... Like, the, the mainstream media... Uh, don't actually like talking about 
how many rich and powerful people I think are associated with Jeffrey Epstein. To connect them to anything yeah. substantive, which I understand. But, but here's the thing. If you're asking yourself, well, if it doesn't mean that he's a sexual predator if he was in the little black book, then why should that discount him? It's because there are a lot of other people who aren't <laughs> in the little black book who you can hey, vote yeah. for. yeah. How about that? Elizabeth Warren, absolutely, 100%, not in the book. We're pretty example, sure she's Pete not. Pete Buttigieg, you know. Not got, in the black book. Got my issues. Klobuchar, Bernie, not in the black book. None of them are in the book. I can say that definitively without even looking. Okay. Um, th- then uh, you, so you move right on to that. That's actually a great transition into the allegations of workplace sexism and sexual <laughs> harassment. Um, there are many, many claims from the 90s that... That he said very sexual things to female workers. This makes me hmm. so mad. Did because he, what did he say? Uh, there, there are many. Uh, so he, one thing he said. Um, Give us a, a little he, crab bag. Apparently, I think according to uh, there's a CNN article. Prior to a male colleague's wedding, Bloomberg told a group of female employees to quote unquote line up and give him a blowjob as a hey. wedding present. According to this lawsuit, not your wedding, buddy. He would regularly say things like, "Look at that nice piece of ass that women in the office." He made a lot of blowjob jokes just now, in where? general. There are there are many many references to him making blowjob jokes. Where have I heard that kind of talk before? Am I I going to say that if you make a bunch of blowjob jokes you may have never experienced a blowjob <laughs> no no am i going that. i would never say that am i going to say that making that sexually harassing women makes you a loser yeah i'm gonna yeah. say that yes you're yeah. a loser and he obviously just felt like he had all this power and this money and so he allegedly could sexually harass female workers when you are a female worker we're wedding goers what the hell well there were women who worked for him they were there are female gross over workers who they're sorry there were female employees who he said this to and they're i'm just reading a couple um uh, upon learning that a female employee was expecting was pregnant he said kill it which (laughs) is not something you should say someone who's pregnant if you are if you are not that unless woman, unless you know, unless you're very close and you know that that's her intention already, I would just say never tell anyone to do anything with their pregnancy. Look, I got them choose it. I gotta be honest. If, because I've had an abortion, yeah. If you had known that I was gonna get one, and you're like going with me, and you're like, "Hey, Kent, kill it," I wouldn't be that mad. But I'm not your boss, and I'm not Michael Bloomberg. Very and I'm true. Not a man. Very true. Yeah. So you can maybe say it to a friend if you're in a very intimate context. You know what's happening, and it's a means of support. But Michael Bloomberg really should never say it to anybody. You should just never no no saying it to an employee because don't a, say it to a subordinate. Don't say it to a woman who you're not intimately close with. Just don't tell them what to do with their bodies. That's all I ask yeah. of you. That's all I ask of you. Just don't do I'm it. Ju- I'm just throwing in a shade of gray. I'm throwing in one <laughs> very specific is, shade of gray. What is that word real. that we got tattooed? Fucking nuance. nuance. Oh, t- okay. <laughs> it's been uh, a long day. It's been a, it's been a long day. We're all trying out here. Uh, We're all trying to make it work. Got the pre-dental tea. We got the pre-dental tea. <laughs> okay. uh, Have you been yeah. seeing those Instagram ads for that skinny tea? I'm shitting. <laughs> I'm shitting. I'm shitting. <laughs> so much of this out. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, it's fine. Um, so that so there are uh, there are a lot more examples I could go through. Those are uh, just a few of it's them. It's just a sampling. Yeah. He's made comments about Highly workers, real. like um, uh, someone asked him, "How does he motivate his workers?" And he oh said, god. "Are they addicted to three meals a day?" Which is just um, 
that what? makes me just like again like just wheeling out those guillotines just that makes me so vehemently angry that this person who has who's a billionaire would talk about his workers who are Wait, I don't even are struck he said so someone said how do you motivate your workers and basically he said are they addicted to three meals a day meaning do like, they I'll want de- to have yeah do they want to have enough to eat that should be enough motivation for them to work well cool great guy cool move great guy um and then we can get into the big one which is stop and frisk yeah so my favorite thing about this is that like what 48 hours before he announced his run which everybody saw coming he kept kind of wiggling back and forth vacillating he's like oh am i gonna do it guys i don't know gotta see if anybody's good enough and this is the most populated the democratic primary field has ever been at this point and he's like oh i don't know if there are enough choices so 48 hours or so before he announces he's like oh he goes to a, a historically black church I think in Harlem. I believe or, Al Sharpton was present. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or, no, he called Al Sharpton before. Hey, can you be here for this? I would love that. Um, just classic accessorizing of a community of people it's that a he's pretty. Wronged. It's a pretty consistent right, political move in New York to go to a historically black church it, to make amends just, for or something like this. So yeah. ugh, heavy-handed. Um, and he's like, listen, today I happen to have realized on this date that my stop and frisk policy was wrong while I was mayor and uh, disproportionately targeted people of color and uh, I've learned a lot in the intervening years and then proceeded to announce his candidacy coincidentally a couple days later which I think they're totally unrelated to one another no I think Michael Bloomberg woke up one morning hold on and he opened his eyes and he looked over at like the parrot in a gold cage or whatever the fuck michael bloomberg has by his bed yeah you don't want to say anything more sorted because you know that's what it is (laughs) and then and then michael bloomberg said to himself in the quiet of his echoing bedroom hey that was weird was stop and frisk a bad idea i didn't hear it then when they told me but now in 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 this giant bedroom that i have it's resonating i kind of feel like Mm, nah. Where are the chicken hearts I eat for breakfast? And then he just yeah. wandered off somewhere and decided he's going to run for president and apologize for stop and frisk. Yeah, so that was weird timing. Um, okay, so uh, Brooke, do you want to introduce the concept of what stop and frisk was? And then I'll go into some of the legal nonsense. Sure. So stop and frisk was a policy that was implemented before Bloomberg, to be fair. Mm. Uh, it was in place for a while. It was a response to... A, a huge spike in crime in New York City. Basically, the policy allowed police officers with, that were in the NYPD to stop people on the street if they quote unquote look suspicious, mm-hmm. um, or if they had quote unquote reason to stop them. They would they would pick people out at random, and they could pat them down. And if they had a weapon, it was it was purportedly a way to get weapons off the street or get yeah. illegal drugs off the street and so I'll, I'll i'll qualify here it's it's equivalent to what's called the terry stop nationwide and it's it's not at random because you do need something called reasonable suspicion we'll get to that so it's not as arbitrary as all that but it's pretty close the thing about the term reasonable suspicion which again Mackenzie will explain better later is that the 
the evidence you need that you have reasonable suspicion is pretty weak. So yeah. the bar is pretty low for proving that you had a reasonable suspicion. Mm-hmm. So in a, in in effect, you could randomly choose people and it it uh predominantly affected Latinos and 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 black New Yorkers. Um there are many stories that you can find if you even do a cursory research and if you even do cursory research into this at all you can find many stories of people who were traumatized people whose relationship with law enforcement was forever affected people who saw their parents being stopped and frisked and it changed how they view law enforcement it changed how they view the state because they realized that the point was fear the point was that you never knew when you were going to be stopped so yeah. you had to always be extremely cautious. And that was the uh, the effect of stop and frisk, essentially. Yeah. So uh, if we want to get into some nonsense here, first of all, I'll say that came up recently because Legal Aid, which is um, an organization that takes on defending a lot of indigent clients in New York City and I think across the country as well, um, in criminal matters, things where people are entitled to defense, but... Uh, can't afford an attorney legal aid often steps in and and so they they make themselves also a bit of a figurehead for these sort of issues they openly came out last week against stop and frisk and against bloomberg's position specifically um and i'll say that my judge who was district attorney at the time that bloomberg was implementing this policy and throughout a lot of its its affecting said that you know bloomberg made a couple comments sporadically that it shouldn't be implemented in any racially biased way, but at the same time would institute these high quotas and would not uh, rebut the way that people were doing it in practice, right. which was that it, it was very racially biased. Um, in any event, just to, to track back for a little bit of the legal uh, bullshit as a predecessor to stop and frisk. So it's all in the Fourth Amendment what you can and can't do fourth amendment is no searches or seizures of your person or your property or your home etc etc without probable cause probable cause we're going to put that as a higher standard than reasonable suspicion and we've discussed the fourth amendment a lot in our episode when we talked about um ice's ability to go into your home or Mm -hmm. your car to detain you to deport you yeah um and this is sort of a, a revisiting to that fourth amendment. Sure, yeah, and that was in immigration context, I believe. Right. Um, so that's worth revisiting. There's, you know, there are different standards if you want to do something without a warrant. Obviously, stop and frisk. Uh, that's two different Fourth Amendment events because the stop is one. That's a seizure because you're kind of preventing somebody from going somewhere. And then the frisking is a search. So you got a seizure and then a search. You need reasonable suspicion for both of those things. Um, you don't need probable cause yet because you are not technically arresting somebody or getting a warrant for that. So reasonable suspicion, if probable cause is the the top rung that you need to arrest somebody or get a warrant to arrest somebody um, or get a warrant to search ahead of time, we'll put reasonable suspicion under that, but it's also somewhere above a hunch. So there's whatever this, a hunch means yeah, legally. It's this really amorphous and and indefinite for good reason because somebody executing this sort of thing think of like an actual emergent situation. You can't define all the situations when somebody's going to know. Right. We've talked about this 
this comes up like every episode. Yeah. The the fact that it's so vague that it causes harm, but also being too specific causes harm. Right. So there is no perfect definition of anything under the law. Define your way out of it because imagine somebody, you know, holding a gun to the head of your mother and then you're like well that's not really on the list so i guess somebody forgot to write it you got to have some discretion and especially when you look at like this case terry versus ohio um somebody who's a veteran police officer and who is hopefully trained to work on their own discretion and have some sort of experience in the field you got to give them some sort of leeway yeah. to do that and the, the thing is for better or worse the law leaves a lot of room for what, what they would hope for good human judgment application, right, application. Right, right, right right and it, it just so happens that in a lot of cases um that good judgment isn't present yeah uh, but when you define it out you get into this weird police state pigeonhole because everything is defined right it almost so becomes a, authoritarian in exactly. itself because it's so overdefined that it removes yeah. all freedom of of choice yeah altogether. i mean and and kind of flexibility it's the fundamental like federalist versus anti-federalist struggle like do we write everything down at the risk that we forget something or do we not write everything down at the risk that then in future they'll say well it wasn't written down so yeah um so you know it's a fundamental struggle back and forth with so many issues but so reasonable suspicion is an articulable basis to believe that a crime was being committed here or in this manner or there is evidence of it on this person, whether it's search or seizure, whichever one. Um, Terry versus Ohio was the Supreme Court case that was 1968. And so since then, these stop and frisk encounters with two Fourth Amendment events uh, have been called Terry stops. So that's what we're talking about here. They are legal if they're done correctly. Uh, Terry versus Ohio, the police officer saw these two black men pacing in front of a store, and he thought, with his years of experience, that they were casing it. He went up to one of them, asked, what are you doing? Um, that itself was not a stop, because just asking somebody something isn't really detaining them. It's not, um, a seizure of their person. But then they mumbled something in response and kind of turned away. And it's like, oh, okay. Now do I have suspicion? Or are they asserting their First Amendment right and kind of Fifth Amendment right not to incriminate themselves yeah. to not reply? Like, what? it's all these different rights and lacks of right and also tension with each it other. It kind of comes, like, do we as individuals want to live in under the kind of state where we have to we have to fear those small interactions with police that, that it's going right. to escalate just from and i mean we do ask, yeah we, we will we and already, some of us yeah, more than others absolutely but then in a practical sense you think of just the context of somebody thinking is someone robbing this store yeah and if you were watching that interaction if i were watching that interaction if anybody was watching that interaction they would think that somebody mumbling to a law enforcement officer in response to that and trying to get out of it that's probably more suspicious than answering directly. Oh, I'm waiting for my mom. You know, like th- there is a practical way. Right. There, there's a practical. Happens. There's on on one side. There's that, right. and on the other side, there's me thinking, how would I react to yeah. a police officer coming up and asking me a question? If I like, if I nervously mumbled, would then I have to worry sure. about my person being? And then you know, there are just all the demographic factors that play into it. Absolutely. It, you, I'm not. There's a, no I'm simple not a black answer. man. I'm a white yeah. woman. So in and any situation with yeah. police, I might be treated differently. So. um... The long story short here is that, 
you are allowed to stop somebody, essentially seize them, and then frisk them, which is uh, searching, if you have reasonable suspicion for each one. So you have to have reasonable suspicion, that articulable basis to believe that's not quite probable cause, but it's not just a hunch. Uh, something about a crime with your objective factors that you can articulate to a court, but also you're going to use your subjective mind because everybody does. Mm -hmm. And then once you have stopped them and seized their person, then you need new reasonable suspicion to frisk them and do the search. So you have to have one for each. But if you have that and you can prove to a court that you have that, uh, you're kind of okay. Right. But you can see how this leaves a lot in the hands of the executing officers. And even if it's not great, it's their word against whoever the victim of the search and seizure is. And we know we know how <laughs> that always pans out. If it's the word of an officer against the oh, word yeah. of someone who was seized. And then imagine if you actually came up with something. Yeah. As the result of that search and seizure, uh, if you find that a, a crime has been committed, even if the judge says, you know, don't consider it, come on. Yeah. It, it plays into it. Um, and that said, again, there is nuance to everything because there are, are often more patrols in neighborhoods where many crimes have been committed for obvious reasons. And then, so those demographic and neighborhood-based forces tend to self-enforce after a while. It, it's difficult, but the bottom line is that stop and frisk in New York City escalated a lot under Bloomberg, like tenfold, if That's not right. more. Yeah. yeah exponential. And he repeatedly defended the practice, so it wasn't like he was actively trying to stop it. And it, he didn't start the practice, but he did repeatedly defend it. And and escalated it a lot. Yeah. Uh yeah, they said don't do it on a racially motivated basis, but everything else militated in the other direction in terms of uh, quotas going up and where people were delegated and how we practiced. So uh, we, quote unquote, in the royal sense, not him specifically, right. um, but how practice played out. And I don't believe that there's any great indication that it was effective. A lot of people who were stopped and frisked, there was no indication that they committed a crime yeah, the uh, or that it was deterring. So, yeah, the, the, a very high percentage of people who were who experienced stop and frisk, they had not committed any crimes. They were just pulled to the side and frisked, and then they were turned on their way. And traumatized briefly, right? And, they, <laughs> and disenfranchised. People who may not have experienced system. like that that situation might be like, okay, well, yeah, if they did, if they weren't arrested, who, who cares? You know, they were just stopped and frisked, and it's for the greater good of the whatever the community. But when you have a when you have communities who, again, if you think of even, like, the what a community is and, and what you're trying to build right. and what actually prevents crime, a lot of that is trust within the community. It's, it's a feeling that you are responsible for your neighbors and that they are responsible for you and that you are home and that you are safe. And when you have police patrolling your communities, stopping people at random – it, it creates a very us versus them feeling with with law enforcement and i think it creates an unsafe feeling in the community in general and then you're just i think you're you're much more divorced from your feeling of being safe where you are being safe in your neighborhood yeah. being safe um interacting with law enforcement i think i i think it did change a whole generation of new yorkers yeah. views of the nypd and 
that's really unfortunate and especially for a city that's supposed to be so progressive um we yeah we have been regressive in many of our policies yeah throughout even like the, yeah, the last 30 years or so and also thinking of things like balancing the societal good versus a societal risk that you're always going to have to weigh and there's kind of that social contract of how much we're willing to give up versus uh you know retain for our safety versus independence factor but i think the big problem here is that the risk is not always proportional to the intrusion in certain communities it's that and it's also the fact that like you you can't sacrifice the safety and freedom of one demographic Right. to provide for the safety of another demographic. Yeah. So you know you, what I mean? When you look at how many people actually were found to be committing crimes, which, again, is such a... F- it's flawed logic anyways, because in a legal sense, it's... You, you can never use what you actually came up with as justification for breaking the law or violating the Constitution initially, because it just... It, you didn't have that information then. So that's flawed already. But when you look at the statistics about bringing crime rates down, Um, the number of people who are stopped and frisked and thus intruded upon and disenfranchised, not in the voting sense, but like in a moral Mm -hmm. existential sense, um, the number of people who had that experience without there being the justification of, oh, well, they actually were committing a crime, so we were protecting society, there's a huge imbalance there. No, absolutely. And so that that social contract is all out of whack. And I'm not sure if there... Again, you can... Bloomberg can apologize for it now, but <laughs> you can't undo the damage that was done. And I think that it comes across as apology. extremely inauthentic. Yeah, pandering and and very convenient. Um. Anyway, okay. <gasps> well, yeah. Well, uh, the last thing I did want to mention, total pivot, is that they're deliberating on Harvey Weinstein's fate right now. They might have an answer of sorts by the time we release this, but it's worth mentioning. Also found out that one of the jurors... One of the female jurors, it was 7-5 male to right. female, which right. was a weird, like, almost already a loss for the prosecution. Yeah. But one of the female jurors, I guess, has written a book about consent, and a, like, a male employer exploiting a female employee. I am shocked that she made it on the jury. She said she was, a, like, an enthusiast about a certain theme, and she was writing a novel. Wow. And the defense moved to get her kicked out, and the judge refused. That's incredible. Yeah. Love it. I just... But honestly, like, it's a human thing. There is no right. reason for that person, except that it's if they don't kind feel of that, If they don't feel that it would affect their, you know, their view of the case, And she is, is his peer, is. in that sense. She like, is yeah, peer. it's a jury of his peers. Sorry. It's a lot so, of people think what you did was shitty. I'm so surprised that that didn't come up in questioning, though. Yeah. That's crazy. All right, folks. Um, One year, baby. We hope that, uh, as usual, Mackenzie just did a great job of explaining the legal history of something that... Hope it didn't suck. I You did, did a great job. No. 100%. Um, Please hit me with any questions because yeah, it's a lot to cover. Uh, Bloomberg is in this, in the debate. Um, he's killing it. So he's, at this point, he's, he's going to continue to uh, run in, in other states, and we're going to see how that pans out. I think he's going to flame out. I, hope I can only hope so. I, because this is money the, can only get you so far. If man. voters wanted him, I would respect that. I would respect the 
I don't know that inclinations I would... of. I would respect the fact that our like our process was doing you gotta what yield it to does. It. Sure, yeah, 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 you have to. You, I mean, if if voters want Bloomberg, voters want Bloomberg, but it just feels like he's unduly using his wealth and influence to weasel his way in into a, into the primary so late after everyone has been in this for months and yeah so you see it can be exploited on both sides absolutely um, even though it was championed by one side let this be a fire underneath your campaign finance rep- reform yeah. asses i would just ask what does bloomberg have to offer except that he's not tr- like for, for if you're mm-hmm. a democrat right and you look at this field of of nominees how is Bloomberg different from Trump except that he's not Trump? Right? He has... He I mean, has, his policy propositions and respect for the rule of law, probably in a relative sense, I will... Well, how is there... Uh, he, again, like, he orchestrated a third term for himself by using his influence over the city council. But think of... I mean, it, I know that there are a lot of people who say, like, I won't engage in relativism, but that is how we got Trump as president to begin with. Because when you paint something as if there is no lesser of two evils i'm just i'm not gonna go fully out on a limb and say i will never support well, him and, and he's that's the same why animal. I, no no, no. Yeah. that's why i said he's offers that he's yeah. not trump right yeah right, right right but if you fundamentally look at these two candidates that's his is best bloomberg selling point yeah you a better life right like, absolutely is bloomberg offering you and the country. as a voter and the country a better future or is bloomberg just saying i can buy meme account sponsorships and let's lean into corruption and money like uh, yeah and i can I, and i can be a moderate in a field of mod- I, basically at this point like the only two progressive are the only two progressives are warren and bernie and we have Buttigieg, klobuchar if you if you want a moderate there are moderates yeah we're not we're, going out on why is bloomberg yeah. what what is bloomberg offering except that he can spend 300 th- th- except that he can spend 300 million of his own dollars on ad buys if I had that money, I could too. You know what? And I wouldn't. If I had that money, I'd I would be fucking, such a good rich person. If I had that money, oh my god, I would move to the woods, and I would okay, adopt you're gonna all unibomb. the dogs. You're a unibomber, and I would just be the spend the rest of my life with my dogs and my goats and my one cow. Oh, she's got goats now. Named Gouda. Well, I hope that cow doesn't die. I thought it's not gonna die it's gonna be my love that's why because then she's gonna snap that's how i would sell my money i would i would just like disappear and like, never like i would just like i would invite you guys out you thanks mackenzie thanks. come visit me I but would, i won't tell anyone where you live because otherwise you, you you're gonna paddle kill me. boat out mm. sounds like a good plan <laughs> excellent all right folks you can follow mackenzie at you can follow mackenzie at mkz joy brennan on instagram and get me two the number two a nunnery on twitter she tweets a lot of funny shit so you should follow her on twitter i tweet for me she tweets for her for whom does the bell tweet it tweets for thee <laughs> um brooke is at brooke angeline on instagram and she That's is me. at bke rogers on twitter and um kiss us rate us review us um yeah we're friends i know that reviews are annoying to, to have to write but if you feel so inclined they do help us like yeah get more eyes. We get um, tell your wives about us tell your husbands about us tell, tell your, your sister wives about us tell your sister wives tell your uh, domestic partners tell your dogs 
Tell your goats. Tell, tell your, your large cows. adult sons about us. Tell your large adult sons about us we'll if, take if you if you feel like it. And uh, also DM us questions, comments, pictures Complaints. of your dogs. Complaints and cats. question mark. Yeah. Cool. We love you guys. Um, all right. Bye. Vote and stuff. Yeah. Vote your primaries. Do it. Whatever. Bye. Bye. <laughs>